0: Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, January 3rd. I'm Hannah Floor. From a lackluster fishing season to a record-breaking tourist season, 2023 was packed with news. Coast Alaska reporters look at how the year will be remembered across Southeast Alaska communities.
1: In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert many petersburg fishermen had a rough 2023 with about a quarter of the dungeness crab fleet sitting out the season due to low prices then trident seafoods announced in mid-december that it's selling a third of its alaska plants including the one in petersburg but the year looked far better for outdoor recreation the community saw two separate ascents of devil's thumb kyle knight became the first person born and raised in petersburg to climb the mountain
2: i think that's what makes it so special or significant to me is that that's a peak that's been dominating the skyline from a very young age
1: weeks later internationally renowned climbers tommy caldwell and alex honnold made the ascent as part of a documentary they filmed for national geographic
2: yeah you climb up it and you're sitting on the summit and there's like thousands and thousands of feet drop on either side of you it's one of the more like exposed feeling summits i've ever seen in my life Did you
1: both fit on
2: it sort of <laughs> carefully yeah you have to straddle it like a horse you know and alex managed to get up there and stand on stand on his feet on the on top of the summit i wasn't brave enough to do that that's because it's important to get to the real sun, you know.
1: <laughs> Petersburg lost its Catholic church in July when routine maintenance work sparked a blaze that melted the church's spire and blanketed the harbors in smoke. Petersburg's volunteer fire department had just a skeleton crew when the fire started. Fire chief Jim Stolpe said a fire is a race against time, and having fewer volunteers hurt his department's ability to respond. In my mind, there's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. So those are the people we're looking for that want to drop what they're doing, come help the community. Stolpe added that those who did come out to help fought their hardest to contain the blaze. But it's not all doom and gloom for the island structures. The year ended not with a bang, but with the rumbling of bulldozers. Petersburg Medical Center began construction on its new hospital facility. Hospital board members were on deck to shovel gravel at the groundbreaking ceremony in December. Construction on the new facility, which is what assembly members have dubbed the biggest project in the history of Petersburg, will continue into the new year. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert.
3: In Ringle, I'm Colette Zarnicki with our Year in Review. A lot has happened here in 2023. Evolutionary biologists studied a 3,000-year-old bone that was found just across the island by a South Dakota geologist close to two decades ago. It was about 3,000 years old and from a young woman. The DNA test links today's Klinke people with their pre-colonial ancestors. Albert Akil and his team at the University of Buffalo in New York reached out to Wrangell's tribe, the Wrangell Cooperative Association, for permission to study the bone. The tribe agreed. Esther Reese is the administrator for the tribal government. She helped author the study.
1: To request permission to keep the tribe updated was just an excellent example of what collaboration can be.
3: She says the young woman is named Kiki Shiwat. That means young lady in a cave in Klingit. During the summer, a Polynesian voyaging canoe named the Hokalea traveled to Alaska's Southeast Island communities. They landed near Wrangell on June 27th. The visiting crew paddled to Chief Shakes Island for permission to set foot at the Mudshark Clan House of the Nanyai. Wrangell Clan leaders granted them access. <laughs> Tribes exchange cultural stories, history, dance, songs, and gifts. The Hokulea crew left Wrangell to continue on their four-year, 40,000-mile voyage into the wider Pacific. They say it's a journey for the earth. In September, Jeff Good, Wrangell's borough manager, resigned. He had held the position for two years. Mason Valarma is Wrangell's borough finance director. He stepped in as the interim borough manager. His first day on the job was November 20th. That was the day of Wrangell's fatal landslide. The massive slide ranged from close to 450 feet wide and 4,000 feet long. Search and rescue teams found the remains of five people, but one 12-year-old boy is still missing. The city and borough of Wrangell called off the search after 15 days. Christina Floorschutz was in the top floor of her house during the slide and she survived. I touched a plastic bag and I instantly knew what it was. Because I had a large plastic bag up there in my sewing room, which was upstairs. And it was full of polar fleece yardage. Right then and there, I knew I was going to live. The Department of Transportation is installing weather stations and staging a drone on the island. That's so they can monitor Wrangell's landslips and weather to try to minimize future catastrophes. Reporting in Wrangell, I'm Colette Czarnicki.
4: In Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. In 2023, the cruise passengers kept coming, but Sitka found itself at a standstill over the future of tourism in the community. With a record-breaking 580,000 cruise passengers came a polarized public, some celebrating the economic boom and others lamenting the problems associated with it. That's why Larry Edwards and a group of 40 co-signers pushed twice for a special election to limit cruise traffic to 240,000 passengers.
2: I feel that uh, the cruise industry thinks uh, it's the planning director of the city and that we have to march to its orders. I think we need to take control back.
4: Neither of Edwards' propositions were approved by the municipal legal department, but now private cruise dock owner Chris McGraw says he'll impose his own limits beginning in 2025. While some sitkins were worried about too much growth in one industry, others were worried about the future absence of another. Salmon trolling in Sitka and around southeast nearly didn't happen this year. It's because of a lawsuit brought by a Washington environmental group seeking to protect an endangered population of killer whales in Puget Sound. A lower court ruling in the case was stayed by the Ninth Circuit just before the start of the fishery, and it opened on July 1st after all, much to the relief of trollers. After all, trolling isn't just a cornerstone of Sitka's economy. Jackie Foss says it's practically an identity.
5: Our entire year really starts July 1. That's our new year. Our whole life is centered around that July 1st
4: opener. The troll fishery wasn't the only surprise survivor in Sitka this year. Four Coast Guard crew members from Air Station Sitka managed to live through a harrowing helicopter crash near Petersburg in November. Then, of course, there was Stella, the golden retriever who could. After surviving Sitka's deadly landslide in 2015, the 13-year-old dog went missing for 65 days last summer. When all hope was lost, her owners got a call from a friend who spotted her at a rock quarry. Here's Sarah Mahosky.
5: She was on this cliffside.
4: I just kept saying to him, how, I don't, how, how did you see her? And this canine survivor had more than just endurance. She evidently had a close encounter with one of Baranoff Island's many brown bears and had the scars to prove it. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose.
2: I'm Jack Darrell in Ketchikan with your year in review. It's been a heck of a year here. We saw record-breaking tourist numbers and, like much of the Southeast, a fair share of landslides. Across public forums, the community passionately tackled topics from housing costs to library books to mental health resources. A canoe from Hawaii landed on the shores of Ketchikan.
0: We're the voyaging canoe, Hokulea, we
5: come from Hawaii, we come to your land to respectfully ask for permission to enter your waterways, to spend
0: time on your land.
2: And a tour bus landed in Ketchikan Creek. The vehicle went backwards down Venetia, crossed over Park Avenue, over the sidewalk railing and crashed rear end into the creek where it laid to rest. 2023 was also a big year for the landscape of Ketchikan. The Three Bears grocery store opened in Saxman, adding a third major grocery option to the island. Soho Coho, the longtime home of Ketchikan artist Ray Troll, announced his closure, and the local Trident plant went up for sale. Maybe most notably, though, was the loss of the American Legion, which burned in early September. The tragedies sent shockwaves through Ketchikan. Rebuilding the historic post became a cause that united the city. But there were other causes that the communities stood divided on in 2023. One that dominated the public conversation was library books. We talk about how it's your right to protect our kids from these images, but have you ever thought about our children, our own children's rights? As children and teens, we have the right to read what we want, when we want, the same way you do according to the First Amendment. Public forums across Ketchikan were filled with voices speaking out for and against the placement of a book in the teen section of the library. Beginning in earnest in February, book bans remain an ongoing debate going into 2024. And censorship is only one issue that brought community members up to the podium at city and borough meetings, town halls, and elsewhere. Homelessness and the housing crisis also prompted debate.
0: It's the same thing that's happening with the people that are being pushed out of the shelter because they're causing problems, is that they're going and they're sleeping on people's doorways. I mean, where are these people going to sleep?
2: Local government worked with residents to come up with solutions. It's too soon to tell how or when those ideas will be put into practice. But in 2024, the city, the borough, and Saxman are working together to build $4.5 million worth of new affordable housing units. And through it all, the community began to gather again. Many events suspended during COVID came back. Arts fairs, the monthly grind. The community mourned the losses of Cloac Police Chief Terry Stonecipher and Haida Elder Fred Hamilton Sr., but also found many reasons to celebrate especially graduation day and the renaming of the town, Arendelle, in honor of the k KI Drama Kings and the high school debut of the musical Frozen.
4: Therefore, I, Dave Kiefer, mayor of the city of Ketchikan, hereby declare that Ketchikan will be known as Arendelle. <laughs> and the city motto will be, the rain never bothered us anyway.
2: <laughs> Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Jack Darrell.
0: KFSK has an open airwaves policy. We encourage the public to express personal opinions, ideas, and creative works, which will be available on our website, kfsk.org, following the scheduled radio broadcast. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. The following commentary was submitted for broadcast by Rebecca Knight.
5: Hi. What follows is titled, What So-Called Landless Supporters and Media Don't Tell You. A hyperlinked transcript of this commentary will be posted to the KFSK Commentary website. Because there has been a virtual news blackout on what's inside the landless bill, I've unpacked it here in my five short minutes. However, the public deserves a much deeper, hard look at the bill's impacts. The so-called landless legislation would privatize over 115,000 Tongass acres and 61 cherry-pick selections, and create five new Southeast Alaska Native corporations scattered across vast areas of the Tongass. This, where 10 such corporations already exist. Over the decades, they have made their indelible scars on these landscapes in the form of tidewater to alpine clear cuts. There's reason plenty for everyone who depends on and cherishes our beautiful public wild places to be concerned. We are all in this together. If enacted, the conservation gains realized by the recent reinstatement of the roadless rule on the Tongass will be largely erased in a heartbeat. This is because nearly all the selections contained inventoried roadless acres amounting to 52% roadless. That represents more than two decades of public hearings, rallies, and 500,000 public comments in support of the roadless rule undone. The landless landless legislation is opposed by national, state, and regional environmental organizations. In that order, and to name but three, this includes Defenders of Wildlife, Alaska Wilderness League, and the Alaska Rainforest Defenders. Landless advocates refuse to write enforceable language into the bill to prohibit logging. Instead, they claim that logging in our region has waned and use vague verbal assurances that it won't occur on their selections. In fact, landless representatives have admitted that nothing, including logging, would be off the table. That's a quote. Legal notices in the Petersburg pilot confirm that export in-the-round logging continues in southeast Alaska, unabated. To maximize profit profits, the industry prefers landscapes that they can clear-cut under lax state regulations, thus the privatization scheme. Other anticipated development includes mining and lodges at the head of popular bays and inlets. The lands proposed for selection are already fully utilized to their highest purpose and will displace current, fully occupied public uses. The proposed legislation is not land back as it is cloaked. Beneficiaries of the bill will receive additional corporate shares, not land. They were not left out. The legislation, backed by a half-million-dollar campaign, employs a greenwashed script using repeated marketing catchphrases to dupe the public into accepting the legislation, no questions asked. The bill will restrict access. Bill advocates claim that they have taken extraordinary measures to allow public access, but the bill's text confirms it includes reasonable exceptions which are highly subject to interpretation. Moreover, the bill's language allows only for access through roadways, trails, and forest roads. It does not provide for shoreline access, the most popular way users get to the uplands. Landless advocates claim that they only want a 1% tiny sliver of the Tongass. What they don't tell you is that two-thirds of the Tongass is rocks, ice, muskeg, and scrub timber. The remaining high-volume old-growth stands, important to various species, are coveted by the timber industry, but now represent only a fraction of the original on the Tongass. Those stands on native corporation land have been essentially extirpated. No congressional field hearings or other fact-finding forums for this monumental legislation have been held throughout affected Southeast Alaska communities, despite the delegation's frequent travel in the region. And most troubling of all is the bill is a Pandora's box. There are about 80 other similarly ineligible Alaska communities as the five seeking corporate status that will demand similar treatment if the bill is enacted. This amounts to 1.8 million acres of new privatized statewide land selections, all demanding recognition and financial resources. Federal public lands should remain in federal public hands, not corporations. Thank you.
0: The commentary you've just heard was submitted for broadcast by Rebecca Knight. KFSK encourages the public expression of personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. For more information, please call our General Manager, Tom Abbott, at 907-772-3808. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.